Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Internet Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 157 of Internet Marketing brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com and in today's show Kelvin talks to Guy Hansen of ReturnPath on the subject of email on mobile all coming up in Internet Marketing. Guy, you've recently been working on a report that's kind of drawn the connection between email marketing and um, you know mobile browsing and kind of mobile browsing of email on, on, on phones and tablets. Can you tell us a little bit more about that report and what some of your findings were? Sure. So I think it's really important for us at ReturnPath. Our core business is email marketing and helping companies and users to do email marketing better. And traditionally, ReturnPath has been all about helping marketers get their, their marketing emails to their subscribers' inboxes, where yep. they're going to see yep. them and respond to them and hopefully open them. And traditionally, the, the split has basically been one in terms of whether the emails are being opened and read on a desktop client or whether they've been opened in a webmail viewer, such as your sort of traditional Hotmail and Yahoo and Gmail viewers. And more recently, there's been this convergence between email and mobile. And of course, a lot of people now open and read and interact with their marketing emails on a mobile device of some description, whether it's a smartphone or a tablet. And uh, yeah, it's becoming particularly important for email marketers to understand what environment their subscribers are reading their emails Mm. in. So relatively recently, within the past couple of years, we developed a tool called Campaign Insight, which works on a fairly similar basis to email open tracking. Mm -hmm. But the particular reason for doing so was to start building up some reporting capability in terms of what kind of device are subscribers reading their emails in, what kind of operating system, and also to get some intelligence in terms of when and where they're interacting. Too. So the report that we're talking about today, it's the second edition, and uh, I think for us that's particularly interesting because some of the trends in terms of a continual uptake in terms of um, mobile utilization, we're now seeing almost a quarter of all marketing email opens are taking place on a mobile device of some description. That's up a third in only a six-month period compared with our, um, with our previous report. Mm. There's been a massive uplift in terms of um, read on iPad devices, and we could see a quantum leap um, the month that iPad 2 was released, um, sort of went up 12% overnight. 
And, uh, you know, it's really, really important for email marketers now because obviously there's going to be a lot of email creative design considerations. There's going to be timing considerations. And certainly in terms of the, you know, sort of best practice recommendations, which we're feeding back to our customers now, it's really starting to shape and inform some of those recommendations. And what are those kind of typical recommendations that you're making then for people who are kind of, okay, so what we've seen here, the data is bearing out that more and more people are opening um, their emails on non-desktop devices. Um, and I, I suppose my gut instinct would be is that that's design, isn't it, that's going to have taken the biggest impact, um, you know, by people opening on mobile devices. There the, the seems to be two broad observations. One is design. You're absolutely right. So, uh, you know, from a creative design point of view, you're obviously designing for a far smaller screen, mm-hmm. and that you know there's limitations in terms of text sizes which are supported. Um, thinking about things like dynamic resizing of your HTML to make sure that it fits a smaller screen. Um, and then bearing in mind that there's differences in terms of what the various devices will support. So, um, you know, with the Apple devices, for example, you've typically got a situation where images are automatically enabled. Mm-hmm. So um, you can go for a far richer approach, whereas with BlackBerry devices, for example, images are disabled by default. So you've got to recognize what your subscriber is going to see and design accordingly. You're typically going to go for a far more nicely formatted text-based approach um, if you know that there's a lot of BlackBerry readers in your marketing audience. So there's, lo- there's those kind of considerations. Um, you know, another one, for example, is that the Apple devices um, don't support the notion of a spam complaint button. So okay. in, terms of, in terms of understanding your um, disengagement metrics, suddenly uh, you're sort of back to square one in terms of looking and monitoring your unsubscribe rates because it's the only real indication you've got of subscriber disaffection. Mm-hmm. So th- there's that. But I think what's been particularly interesting for us as well is that there's some definite timing considerations okay. as well. And um, that also has changed very, very quickly. One quite interesting one is if you look at the difference in the report between um, open rates during the week, uh, Monday to Friday, and weekend. And even when we produced the first report, you typically saw a decline in mobile open rates as you moved into Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. And that's reversed completely. You're now seeing an uplift in mobile open rates over the weekend. Oh, interesting. Um, and I think that suggests two things. I think it suggests that perhaps, you know, there's obviously a, um, a clearly defined shift in terms of people who are now using smartphones and tablets um, in their personal capacity rather than having one as a business device. Mm-hmm. And I think perhaps even for those who do have them primarily as their business device, they're making more use of them over the weekends as their, um, as their first point of interaction with their emails. And have you noticed kind of in, in terms of email usage, the, is there a difference in how um, people interact with content on tablets versus mobile devices and in terms of the compatibility and the types of um, you know, functionality that you can use in email between, the two, you know, between handheld and tablets? I think one particularly interesting thing which we're seeing is that um, it's not necessarily a question of either or. Um, what we're often seeing, and this is particularly true of early morning opens, for example, is... You know, you, you sort of consider how it is. You wake up, you, you grab your handheld, you sort of look to see what emails have come in overnight. And, you know, perhaps that's your first point of interaction with them. But what we're seeing a not inconsiderable basis is the idea that there's then a second open, perhaps at a later stage during the day, coming from either the desktop environment or from the webmail environment. Okay. So 
So, so you've, you've triggered that initial interest in the morning when your subscribers looked at their, um, at their smartphone or their tablet, and hopefully that's enough interest to persuade them, hey, I must go back and have another look at that in more detail later on. So that's mm -hmm. been a, a very interesting learning for us. Yeah, no, no that, that's intriguing. And have you found, so you've obviously been kind of espousing this, um, think about the, the mobile handset and the, the, uh, the tablet handset when putting together your email designs. Have you found, because I've seen this as well, you know, I've had an email that's opened perfectly on my mobile device, but it's encouraging me to make a click that when I make that click, I get an experience that is either substandard or, you know, completely unusable on a mobile device. So I've got an email that works perfectly on my mobile phone, but it takes me to a website that just isn't compatible with uh, mobile browsing. I think you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, the, there's two learnings from that. I mean, the one is a, a piece of best practice, which we've been punting for a long time, which just is from a branding point of view and from a subscriber experience point of view, you know, make sure that the experience in the initial email is then replicated at website level. And, you know, there you're looking at brand guideline considerations, you know, not that you sort of click through and end up in a completely different environment. So there's that. But also, um, the point that you're making is absolutely right. So, um, you know, if you've responded from a from a mobile, um, you know, which perhaps isn't um, you know fully capable in terms of handling Flash as a technology, for example, and then it's taking you through to a website which is dominated by Flash applications. Um, absolutely right. So, one of the pieces of um, feedback which we're now starting to give our clients is built around exactly that. You know, it's consider what happens post click and. Mm -hmm. uh, if you are redirecting them to a website, it needs to be a website which increasingly is mobile friendly. Yeah. And so in general, in terms of email marketing, is there any big issues or concerns that people who are um, partaking in email marketing campaigns in 2012 should really be thinking about? Changes from perhaps how it operates in the past? I think probably the, the biggest single sea change in the email marketing industry, um, certainly over the last 12 months or so, has been the whole principle of subscriber engagement. Mm -hmm. And what you're seeing from pretty much all the major providers, your Hotmails, your Yahoos, your Gmails, your AOLs, um, is that they're, they're moving away from a mindset of trying to block the 150 billion spam messages which get generated every day mm -hmm. and they're moving more towards a mindset of rewarding the email activity which subscribers actually want to see. Mm -hmm. So they're starting to monitor metrics and behavior in the inbox such as, you know, not so much did you mark an email as spam but did you mark it as not spam and did an email inadvertently end up in your junk folder which you really wanted so you retrieve it back into your inbox. Mm -hmm. um, so what you might call positive signs of engagement rather than signs of disaffection. And increasingly, the, the big providers are using these metrics to determine what's wanted as opposed to previously it was a case of determining, trying to determine what's not wanted, which was just generating far too many false positives and email was getting rerouted or blocked as a result. So I think that's probably the biggest single shift of mindset in our industry at the moment is this idea that increasingly positive subscriber engagement is being rewarded in the form of inbox delivery, getting the email into the inbox, but now increasingly inbox placement as well. The idea that you've got these smart inboxes, these priority inboxes, where depending on how the algorithms interpret the emails which you're sending, it determines how high up the inbox you're being placed. And obviously you want to be placed as high as possible because that's where you're going to be seen. And as marketers, what should we be doing um, in our campaigns to try and 
in you know kind of trigger that engagement that's going to lead to you know better delivery and ultimately you know better success in priority inboxes and some of these other equivalent systems i think um in some cases it's the tried and trusted marketing mantras it's all about relevance it's all about engagement so from an email marketing point of view you want to be focusing on um on the on the portion of your list which is clearly engaged with your brand, people who are opening your emails and clicking through and responding to your calls to action and and, uh, and transacting. And I think you need to be defining a uh, a threshold um, of where you you deem that they've become that they've stopped transacting, that they've become inactive or dormant. Mm-hmm. At that stage, you need to be putting in place a um, a reactivation program, perhaps trying a different message, a different offer, a different creative. I mean, you know, emails always lent itself to testing and because it's so measurable, it makes it very easy to test. So, uh, you know, try different approaches, see what they work. And ultimately, and I mean, it's a hard message to sell to email marketers because they're often measured, you know, one of their KPIs is going to be the size of the email marketing database, which they've produced. But, um, you know, ultimately, best practice advice is that, you know, if your win back process doesn't work, you need to cull some of those inactive records because, you um, you know they're they're diluting the effectiveness of your campaign, and also the the sort of some of the key metrics which your internet service providers are using to determine whether you're a good sender or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones is informed by how many um, inactive or dormant accounts you're broadcasting to, and they they view that as a negative. So, do you think then there's almost a um, you know for email marketers that actually they should you know be that bit more um, kind of discerning about who they allow onto their list, and that they should be you know confident enough to kind of take people who have these you know in various email marketing packages you get this kind of star system of the quality of your you know your subscribers in terms of how often they open your email marketing messages do you think that there's a there's a call then not for those that are like truly dormant but actually those that are kind of perhaps lower quality as it were because they've been segmented in some way that says this isn't the type of uh, they're clearly not engaged with us as an organization absolutely and that segmentation is is key because uh you know, they they may have become dormant not because they're tired of engaging with your brand, but you know it could be frequency related. They don't want to hear from you once a month, once a week, once a month would be fine. And you know, perhaps they don't want to receive individual discrete offers. They'd be happy with a rolled up digest, for example. Mm-hmm. So you know that segmentation is absolutely vital. You know, some people are very happy to hear from you on a daily basis, but that doesn't hold true for the whole database. Yeah, I mean, I saw a great example of that today of a mailing list I'm on, and it's a kind of it's a sort of mom- aimed at kind of a roughly monthly cu- publication, but it's almost like a blog. So it's kind of it's written content, and the, the 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 author of it actually said, "I would like to send more frequent messages, but I'm concerned that, that would be too frequent for some of you. So I'm opening up a separate list, as it were, for those more frequent mentions." You you seen that as a trend across the you know that kind of because I've seen that kind of on mailing list and discussion list where you set the frequency of how frequently uh, you do that kind of for personal groups as it were. You're seeing a similar kind of trend in kind of business marketing ones. It's actually Amazon. I like to hear your email messages, but I only want to hear them on a kind of monthly basis rather than a daily basis or a weekly basis. Very much so. And um, in, t- in terms of the customers that myself and my colleagues work with, you know, we're, we're great advocates of the principle of a subscriber preference center so that you can basically come in and say, A, what type of emails do I want to receive from you? Do I only want to receive transactional emails or service emails? Am I happy to receive occasional offers and newsletters? You decide what the mix is and you also decide what the frequency is. And, you know, you can say, hey, I'm happy to receive once a week or I'd prefer to receive 
receive fortnightly or I'd prefer to receive once a month. Or perhaps I want to take a holiday from your marketing program because I know that I'm going to be away for a few months. And certainly providing subscribers with that level of choice um, is you know, a, a definite best practice ele- or should be a, be a definite best practice element in any email marketing program. Fantastic. And so, I mean, in our listeners, I know a great majority of them already participate in some form of email marketing, but I know some of them might might have never quite got round to it or never really taken the, the full leap, as it were. So for somebody who's just starting out in a marketing campaign for their business, what would you recommend as your kind of top tips for getting started in email marketing? I think probably the, the biggest single consideration is... You know, first and foremost, you've got to make sure that your emails are going to be delivered to the inbox. Uh, you know, if they don't get to the inbox, nobody sees them, nobody responds to them. And the biggest consideration in terms of driving delivery to the inbox is still the principle of sender reputation, um, which is like a credit score for email marketers. And, uh, you know, pretty much anyone, any marketer who's doing any reasonably volume-driven email marketing will be generating a sender reputation, which is a function of the quality of the data that you're sending, how subscribers are reacting to your emails, are they registering spam complaints or not, that kind of thing, and ultimately producing a score. And the better your score, um, the more likely you are to be getting your emails to the, um, the inbox rather than the junk folder or getting blocked. So every email marketer should know what their sender reputation score is, Um, It's freely available. If they know the IP address which they're sending their emails from, they can plug that into a free-to-use facility at senderscore.org and find out what their score looks like. And, uh, you know, if it's a little bit substandard, then there's, you know, a whole set of actions which they can start thinking about to improve their score. Fantastic. No, great place to start there. And it's a really interesting topic, email marketing, one that we probably ought to visit more frequently, particularly interesting given, as you said, the huge changes that are going on in the way that people consume um, their email marketing. And I think that that's a great takeaway for anyone here as well. If you are doing email marketing already, start to think about what the um, how that content can be consumed on a mobile device because, as um, Guy said, there's a huge proportion of the people that are receiving your email are doing so on their mobile phone or their tablet. Thanks for the opportunity. Great no, talking really to you. Fantastic. No, really appreciate that, Guy. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links, and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments, and questions from you if you want to send an email. Send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, if you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six or one five oh. If you're inside the UK, it's O one two seven three two five six one five oh. And you can leave a voice comment or question and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a a rating on iTunes itself. Well, that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.